I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. David Cobb is writes about college football and basketball for CBS Sports. He's on Twitter at David W. Cobb. Cobb, we want to get into the grading of the third, the important work that Chip Patterson, of course, did uh, grading the third-year college football coaches. Extremely important work. But before we get that, <laughs> Mark thinks that John Shire is going to get five years. Buy or sell? Oh, I, I buy that. I, I mean, he's not doing a terrible job. Like, Duke is in a better position right now than North Carolina was this time a year ago under Hubert Davis. And they're recruiting, and they're not Coach playing Coach K's not going to let his hand-picked successor not get a fair shake at the job. Yeah, and he's just he's saying youngest, one of the, one of those legends that stepped aside actually stepped aside. The other kept his the other kept his office, but he get what he do? He knocked down the wall. Is that what he did? No, moved to a different floor. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, different floor now. No, John Shire is going to get a long time. He's the youngest Division One head coach. Think about that, and he's recruiting so well that. That's going to keep him afloat because it's going to be one of those deals where it's like, well, you know, we got this class coming in. I mean, Duke's never not going to recruit well. So I just think he's going to get a long time to figure it out. It just stinks how boring they are. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I flip on a Duke game and I just feel nothing. Well, their their class is a little bit of a bust. I mean, Kyle Filipowski has been awesome, consistently ranked among our top five freshmen every single week so far this season. But Derek Lively was the one who was actually supposed to be the best player in the class, and he's been very average coming back from injury. Now Derek Whitehead might be out for maybe an extended period of time after he went down with an injury the other night. So their freshman class has been a dud. When you got Ryan Young out there, the kind of pudgy Northwestern transfer, looking like one of your go-to options, I just don't think that's the way they thought this team was going to be. So maybe if, if there's a knock on Shire to this point, it's the fact that they haven't really developed this freshman class that well. Yeah, if- Coach K didn't give him a good roster. Well, this was Shire's class. Coach K, remember, he didn't go out on the road for this class. I'm just saying he did, he could have left him with more. Empty cupboard. <laughs> well, Bad leader. He's a leader of men. Don't take that Bad back. Leader. He's a leader of men. Yes, he'll um, tell us. Yes. Uh, if, you had to, if you had to pick an SEC team to make the Final Four, would it be Tennessee or Alabama today? Team Alabama. That's, the team that's young. The young team as opposed to the team that, you know, might not be able to score enough. You're picking no, the it's young. Alabama. It's not even really that close to I me. Mean, I see a clear delineation of Alabama at the top of the SEC. Well, big break there, then Tennessee, then another big break, and then the rest of the pack uh, trying to chase them down. So it's Alabama and Tennessee at the top, but I think Alabama has clearly established itself ahead of Tennessee. It's kind of unfortunate. 
just like last year when Kentucky and Auburn were the two best teams in the SEC and they only played once, yeah. Alabama and Tennessee only played once this year, and it, it's at Tennessee. So it's unfortunate because I would love to see a return trip in that series this season with those two teams being the best in the league. But, man, Alabama just can beat you so many different ways. Like, under NATO's to this point, there have been Alabama teams that have been really good offensively, and there have been Alabama teams that have been really good defensively. This is the first one that's, like, borderline elite in both facets. And so on those nights that Alabama has sometimes where they go three of 21 from beyond the arc, they can still find a way to win because their defense is that stingy. I was trying to think. That Auburn game was fun. That Auburn-Kentucky game last year was fun. What's Auburn's best win this year? Because, like, that's the other thing that we, we, that I kind of find a little bit interesting for Memphis. Like, that's one of Memphis's biggest resume lines. But, like, they do kind of have Based on a, Ken Pomp, they're, they, they, when they beat Arkansas at home, that's their best win. Yeah. But that, yeah. 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 Auburn is not elite, but the win is getting better for Memphis. I mean, there was a second there where the Auburn and the Texas A&M wins for Memphis were not looking good no, at they, all. They were looking perhaps shaky, but also I think now you get A&M looking better, Vandy's looking better in the, terms of a resume you, line. The reason why Memphis moved up in the net, moved up in Ken Palm, moved up in all these bracketologies this week, yeah, they got the big win over Cincinnati, but I also think it's just the overall profile. They're now 5-3 and three against quad two, 1-2 and two against quad one, and they have no bad they have no quad three, quad four losses. I've maintained for like a week or two now, more than anything, if Memphis can stay undefeated in quad three and quad four, and like honestly that means just like, you know, if they can go like you know, that, that means basically it means not losing any home games. Yeah, like they're gonna be fine. I mean fine in, in fine in terms of making the tournament. Like yes, it, it's, and, that's something yeah. bubble teams don't have, a clean docket on quad three and quad four games. Exactly. Don't lose to SMU and don't lose to Tulsa. And the, you, I mean, they won't lose to SMU. I just, they just won't. But Tulsa, for whatever reason, has been an issue for them. Yeah, but and now they got they got Frank Haith. They know, t- it's been an issue. They took Frank Haith away. Well, they didn't take him away. They got him after after there was a parting of ways. Yeah, I know. So the, both of those teams are trash, and Memphis can't afford to lose to to one of them. So I'm with you guys. If they avoid catastrophe, there. I've been saying it all along. This is the best Memphis. The best position Memphis has been in in regards to an NCAA tournament resume at this point in the calendar under Penny Hardaway. And I've said that repeatedly at different intervals throughout the season, and it's still true because they didn't have any of those bad losses. Auburn, Texas A&M playing better now. I mean, Ole Miss is just the, the – I mean, they're, they're no, terrible. No, 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 don't don't say that. I've won six straight betting against them. Like, they are <laughs> – they're a cash cow right now. We do not yeah. need this getting out. I know, but uh, that one doesn't hold up very well for Memphis. Missouri was only a one-point favorite last night. That was it. (laughs) Uh, It's baffling. Ole Miss is, is, ooh, they're bad. Yeah, they've lost, oh boy, they've lost one, two, three, four, five, six, eight of their last nine. I mean, the the only thing that's more amazing to me right now is I still have no idea. Ole Miss beat South Carolina. I have no idea. Say what you want about how bad Kentucky was that night. The fact that they actually lost that South Carolina team is yeah. still baffling to me. Yeah, I know. I'm writing. I'm working on something now in advance of the Kentucky-Kansas game, kind of how Kentucky got its season back on track because it's insane the swing Kentucky has made over the last couple of weeks, losing to South Carolina at home. And now all of a sudden you look up and they're firmly back in position to make the NCAA tournament look like a clear 
cut top half of the SEC kind of team. And honestly, the only thing you can really point to is the fact that they benched Severe Wheeler and started yeah. playing some other guys more minutes. It's crazy how a simple lineup tweak has totally transformed things for Kentucky. It uh, also makes sense why Cal would have been hesitant to go to that immediately. You know what I mean? Like, I, I do I do get why it took a little bit to go, all right, we got to bench him. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he's, he's their floor general. He's the SEC assist leader you know, for a couple of different years now in his career. I mean, it's not like Severe Wheeler is a bad player. He's just not the player Kentucky needs because Correct. he can't shoot from the outside. Neither can Oscar. Neither can Jacob Toppin. So there's just no spacing when you have a non-shooting point guard on the floor. You put Wallace out there at the point with, like, Reeves and um, uh, uh, C.J. Frederick, and, like, that's a really good shooting lineup, and it actually – you know, it makes it harder to double team onto Sheboy because you're leaving a shooter when you do it. So, I, I mean, it's simple. Um, and Severe Willard is still playing. He's just not playing nearly as much. Yeah. All right. Let's let's go to this college football grading scale because I found important. I, we it love makes, gra- we makes, love grading yes, grades on this show. Make sure Chip knows how important this was. Um, yeah, it's so, a public service. Yes. So the practice was they're grading the all the third year, the, all the college football coaches who just finished their third year. So that's. Lane Kiffin, that's Ryan Silverfield, that's Mike Norvell at Florida State, that's Sam Pittman at Arkansas. So a lot of familiar names. So where should we start? What team? What, who should we start with here? Let's start with. Let's start, start with Pittman. Let's start with Pittman. Okay, so Pittman got a B minus, and I felt this was harsh on Pittman. I thought yeah. he's at least a B. I know this year it didn't end great. But I, I no, think the, he he deserves better than a B minus. Uh, the situation the he walked is, into was not very good, and he's he's made Arkansas immediately. He started off in that COVID year where you were only playing SEC teams, and like yeah, their record wasn't great that season, but they were competitive throughout. Just that brutal stretch. I mean, Chad Morris was so bad that I mean, honestly, the fact that Sam Pittman's had Arkansas in bowls the last two years, he deserves better than a B minus. Yeah. yeah, especially when you consider where they were. If Norvell is a B, how I know Norvell had a great year this year at Florida I just State. How is Pittman? This is too much recency bias from Chip, and Chip's better than that. Like to me, I don't care what the grade is. Pittman has to get a higher grade given what he inherited. Well, I guess Mike inherited a mess too at Florida State. They should at least be on the same level. Well, some of these coaches have gone through some violent swings. I mean, you look at like Mel Tucker, who is yeah. on this list. Yeah, like how can you put Pittman as the same grade as Mel Tucker? Well, it's just you think about it, Michigan State was awful this year, yes, but they they were in the Peach Bowl last year. So it's just a wild yeah, but that let's, We also need to establish 2020 definitely didn't count. 2021 should also have an asterisk. It was COVID adjacent. <laughs> it was still weird. Yeah. Well, I you mean, so in that sense, maybe maybe Kiffin is overrated then. If, Lane, if Lane is getting a B-plus in this. Oh, I Lane think this Kiffin. is – I think it's Lane's in a very interesting spot here, Cobb, because But Lane has a much better record. Like Lane's twenty three and thirteen, Mel Tucker's eighteen and fourteen, Pittman's nineteen and seventeen, and Norvell is um I mean this was his first winning year. Yeah, Norvell is eighteen and sixteen. Like him, Norvell, Tucker, and Pittman all have very similar winning percentages. Lane's is clearly much higher. This is where I think is interesting about Lane this year, Cobb, and I'm curious to know kind of how you feel. So the quarterback thing is weird to me. Like, on a certain mm-hmm. level, you know, I do understand, because we talked with Topmeyer, and Topmeyer's point was, listen, if you're Ole Miss, you can't really afford to kind of get complacent at quarterback. Even if, you, even if you think you might have a guy, you have to be aggressive. On a certain level, I get that. But 
I also think, man, when you start to do the juggling of quarterbacks and your fan base is already getting a little pissed at you because you flirted one too many times, and then are they really? Are Ole Miss fans yeah, really pissed? At I him? mean, not not. There's still plenty that are sipping you the Kool Aid. You need to sip the Kool Aid. It's not just that he flirted. It's not just that he flirted with leaving. It's that he flirted with leaving and he lost five straight games. Let's be clear. That's mm-hmm. the big. If he would have, if he would have flirted with leaving, and then he honestly probably just beats Mississippi State and then Texas Tech in a bowl game, I think everyone's probably a okay. I think it's a weird spot though for for Ole Miss because if you take a look at their schedule next year, they yeah, get think, they yeah. get the dogs and uh, no Kentucky rotates off. Well, you get the dogs. I mean, that's yeah, bad you enough. get the dogs, my, and I guess Vandy, right? But, but if there's one thing I trust Lane Kiffin with, it is quarterback development. And I flash back look a year ago. Around this time, everybody says, like, what is Brian Vandy, Kelly doing? You know, yeah, Brian, Brian Kelly already had Walker Howard. He had uh, the, the kid, Miles Brennan, who had played a lot at LSU. Uh, he had Nussmeyer, who's a promising young quarterback. And then he went out and brought in Jaden Daniels, who was kind of looked like a, a washed-up product from Arizona State. And then he turns him into a stud. Well, I think Lane Kiffin is kind of doing the same thing here. He's loading up on guys, and it doesn't make sense to us on the outside. But if there's one thing I trust Lane Kiffin with, it's quarterbacks. And I, I, this has been the case for 15 years now, going back to when he was the head coach of Tennessee for one season. Jonathan Crompton. Yeah, he, he turned Jonathan Crompton from garbage into a great player, into a drafted player. And so I think you know Spencer Sanders, yeah, he's, he seems maybe like, what what is he doing here? Like, why, Spencer Sanders totally – had reached his potential at Oklahoma State, the diminishing returns there, you know, make this an unattractive acquisition, whatever. Well, like, Lane Kiffin can see something in quarterbacks that maybe the rest of us don't. And so say what you will about the guy. I mean, he's yeah, there's plenty to criticize with Lane Kiffin, but his development and I, talent ID with, with quarterbacks is pretty pretty impeccable. And I just don't know if Jackson Dart is, is the clear-cut answer there. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a bit odd uh, to load up when you, when you just landed Walker Howard to go out and take Spencer Sanders, too. But, I mean, I look at that LSU situation, man. They had four scholarship guys in that room last spring, and they ended up, you know, really uh, coming out on top with a, with a great quarterback in, in Jaden Daniels. No, I mean, I think to your point, I think if he just brings in Walker Howard, it's not that weird. It's the Spencer Sanders part that's weird. And I get I, I think the LSU example is interesting, but I, I would also point out LSU. I, I think LSU's uh, salary cap's a little higher than Ole Miss's. <laughs> that's probably true. And that Ole Miss had more pro- – I guess that's kind of my bigger deal is if I'm sitting there and evaluating Ole Miss, I'm sitting there going, they've got bigger problems than just Jackson Dart from yeah. what I saw. Yeah, no, that's that's the case as well. But you think about it. I mean, what does Ole Miss need from its quarterback next season with Quinshaw Judkins back? I mean, Ole Miss is is established itself as a run first, run heavy program, and uh, I mean, I think Spencer Sanders fits that bill. You think about the system Jackson Dart was recruited in to recruited to play in initially at USC. He was an air raid quarterback and and not one that was particularly mobile. And I and I mean Jackson or uh, Spencer Sanders isn't going to uh, run around on you like. Like Bryce Young or something, but like you no, know, but he's he, he played. Can... But he's played in the art. To your point, Jackson Dart came from more of an air raid, read it out type guy, and Spencer Sanders has come from the RPO stuff that that Lane wants to run. Yeah, see, he's a, a better schematic fit, probably. And yeah, I mean, let's be honest; it'll be fun to see what the guy can do when he's outside of Mike Gundy's thumb. Um, I think Lane Kiffin is a little bit more creative, innovative uh, offensively than, than Gundy. And, and things had obviously gotten stale for Sanders at, at Oklahoma State. 
And then the lowest graded coach among the regional schools was Ryan Silverfield, lowest graded. Wait, so it's not just us picking on Ryan? He got a C uh, on the uh, I grade. Guess, I, is, Chip, my, is Chip a big uh, is Chip a, a big grade inflation guy? Oh yeah, I mean that C seems about right. That's not good. It's he's also not been god awful. I mean, yeah, C is accurate, honestly, for for Ryan Silverfield. He's not been terrible, but they they haven't bottomed out. Memphis football is going to bowl games still every year, which to me is a it's just insane, and that's the floor now for this program because I grew up in Memphis when people just – I mean, I still remember watching the, like, round-the-clock action News 5 specials from live from the New Orleans Bowl, you know, with Danny Wimpron and D'Angelo Williams, and it was like this seismic event just to make the New Orleans Bowl, right? So, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe I need to – I think, uh, though, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's also important to note, like, even from those days, the amount of bowl games that there are have like incredibly yeah. increased. Well, and no, I think part of how you view Ryan's tenure is he like inherited the program literally at the best point it's Correct. ever been, and you know obviously it is not that. By my count here, they've got six coaches. He's out of the twenty-four coaches hired three years ago. He is there's six coaches with a worse grade than him. Yeah. Uh, is he the only one that wasn't fired? Been fired. No, is he, is he the only one that had no. Been? Like uh, Greg Schiano got a C minus at Rutgers, um, and Ricky Rain at Old Dominion got a. Oh, he's the same level. He got a C. Uh, someone got a D. Oh, Danny Gonzalez at New Mexico got a well, D. Well, Jeff Scott. I mean, you look at a. Well, he's saying not fired. There. Jeff yeah, Scott. I'm saying oh, it, like Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart, Jeff Scott, both got F's. Marcus Arroyo from UNLV got an F. Um, Willie Taggart at FAU got an F because they all were they've all been Ed fired Martin, already. Yeah. Um, but no, it's uh, it does feel like what Ryan needs to at the very least go above five hundred in the conference this year. You can't do that. Well, again. you should. I mean, it's going to be an easier conference now, and that's the thing is like Memphis. I think as a program should be a, a perennial top three team in in this new look AAC. There's not going to be a Houston. Yeah. There's not going to be a Cincinnati in that thing. Can't so, be like, tied for eighth again. No, no reason why Memphis <laughs> shouldn't be in the mix to win that new league. I mean, I, I, I will give you that. And if he can't go, you know, eight and four, maybe on a consistent basis in that conference, then like let's let's reevaluate because Memphis does have the resources to be more competitive in the new AAC. You know, year in year out. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it, Cobb. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Sounds good. That was David Cobb of CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at David W Cobb. When we T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.